So now that we've had a guest with us for a week, do you feel like we're going to be boring? Just me and you? Uh, like it's not going to be as exciting? Maybe a little bit more boring, but definitely uh, a little more efficient maybe? Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. It might be a little bit easier, but I know we already have our next guest, I think, lined up. We do, up. yeah. That was, it was a lot of fun doing it with a guest, and we said, oh, we need to get some more people in here. So we have another another familiar name that's going to be coming and join us yeah. in, uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yes, yes. All right, so I'm going to give you, if in case uh, no one remembers, uh, I'm going to give you five facts about the tree or shrub or herbaceous plant, <laughs> and we'll see if you can guess what it is. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. It is a small, slow-growing, deciduous, uh, like s- large shrub, small tree, um, okay. in the Oleaceae family, okay. which is the olive family that includes ash and lilac. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna do all that as one. How's that? That's that's very helpful. Um, it gets 15 to 25 feet tall. Okay, but can get up to 35 feet in the wild. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see here. Uh, it has a rounded crown and shape. Okay. How many is that? One, two. That was three. Three. Um, can be grown as both multi-stem and single stem. Okay. That I was down to two things, and that I think I think gets me to where I want to be. But give me one more. All right. And I'm not giving you the wetland indicator status. How do you like that? Thank you. I'm going to give you <laughs> yeah. the native range. Mm-hmm. But I'm also going to give you a bonus after the okay. native range. It's a native range from New York to Florida, mm-hmm. west to Texas, and north to Missouri. But we do not grow it. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I didn't even realize – like part of the reason – Tom and I were talking before we went on the air, and he was telling me something, and I kind of zoned out because I realized I picked something that – I didn't do it on purpose, but I picked mm-hmm. something that we didn't grow. Which is okay. It just means that I don't uh, – I'm probably I not going to know. We grew it maybe <laughs> maybe 15 years ago. Oh, I wasn't around yet, no, so that weren't. doesn't help me either. <laughs> well, um, you were born. born that, yeah, I was, yeah. yeah, I was around in that sense, but I wasn't working here <laughs> full time to know what we grew and what we didn't. All right. Oh, man, I, when you were describing it, like there's some clues don't yeah. like the the olive family thing I yeah know no. what that is but um so I was thinking Cercus canadensis and um but then when we don't grow it that's not it but I was thinking that knowing the family and that lilac is part of that family mm-hmm. maybe that would help give a clue to what the plant you'd is. think it would but <laughs> <laughs> when I'm thinking one way the entire time and then All I right. just have my my hopes crushed uh, All right. yeah I would I would man. I can't come up with a better answer than than Circes. Circes is your guess, which is uh, Redbud. Redbud, which I know is wrong. Cyanthus virginicus, white fringe tree. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I thought now that you kind of know, I thought maybe you know because you get that fragrance with the you know like lilac. Maybe Mm -hmm. you know it's. It's one that we don't grow because we ship mainly north, and you don't see like. You see it here occasionally, but not. I haven't seen it ever in the wild. Here, it's always cultivated. Yeah, I've I've seen the one in my parents' backyard, and that's it. <laughs> You're listening to a native plant every day with Tom and Fran. Welcome back to a native plant every day with Tom and Fran. I'm Fran, and I'm Tom. And today's plant is Cyanthus virginicus, uh, which is fringe tree, but it's also called white fringe tree. Grancy Graybeard and Old Man's Beard. 
This has a lot of common names. We don't always get that. And I'll tell you what, I'm I'm not that familiar with this tree other than that my parents have it in the backyard, and it can get really, really beautiful. It's yeah. like a stunning-looking tree. Totally. Um, especially when it's in bloom. But I, like I said, I really don't know a lot about it, so I'm going to rely on you to okay. really answer my questions no that I typically bait you into and sometimes know the answer. This is this is going to be for real. Yeah, you know, it's funny. When, when I worked at Princeton Nurseries, this is something that we grew a lot of. But it's such a slow grower. We would do B&B, but it might only be two to three foot tall, three to four foot tall, and a lot of people assumed it was a shrub. Mm-hmm. Um, I had seen one in uh, Chestnut Hill, Philadelphia. Uh, it was a an old mansion dating back to the 1700s that uh, some landscape work was being done on. And whoever lived there had planted like a really unique um, – uh, plants throughout the lifetime, but there was a, a fully mature kyanthus in the back corner, and I just happened to be there when it was blooming, and it was show stopping. Like you could smell it before you even came around the side of the house, but and you don't see it like that too often, at least not in this area. So, um, if you're unfamiliar with it, it is a facultative species, um, but it's, it's it can be facultative upland depending on the region because uh, it does have a pretty wide uh, native region. Um, the leaves are kind of like a medium green and waxy leaf. Um, they're opposite, simple, oblong, three to eight inches long, and uh, one to four inches, uh, a one to four inch broad petiole, or one to, sorry, one to four inches broad or wide mm-hmm. uh, with a cre- three quarter inch petiole. So the petiole is the stem that connects the, mm-hmm. the leaf to the, the tree. So it's not a very, that leaf is pretty close to the, to the branches. Um, but the entire leaf margin, uh, they're hairless above and finely downy below, particularly along the veins. So um, to me, it's an, it's an attractive leaf. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not show-stopping, but it's, it's a nice leaf. But it has a uh, – it's a nice contrast to the bark, which is scaly, brown-tinged uh, with red. And the shoots are light green, downy at first, and then uh, light brown to orange. So it's a nice contrast in color between the bark. And you do see the bark. It's yeah. not like – it's such a dense canopy that you're not seeing the inside. Mm-hmm. You're kind of getting that it's not heavily leafed. If yeah. that makes yep. that makes yep. uh, now, sense. Like I referenced before, I know it for its flower. So yes. tell everyone about its flower. Uh, so it is. So it is dioecious, first of all. So you do need a separate male and female plant. Um, and but they also may have perfect flowers on each plant, both male and female. Mm-hmm. Um, and the flowers are, like I said, show-stopping in look and in scent. It's a lilac-scented flower uh, that are pure white, uh, deeply four-lobed corolla lobes, red-like and feathery. Kind of like uh, – imagine like a hamamalis mm-hmm. uh, yep. flower or a, a witch hazel flower. Um, they're a half-inch long, and it blooms from mid to late May for about two weeks, and uh, it blooms when the leaves are about half out. On drooping panicles, so mm-hmm. the, it's just starting to leaf, and that's when you get that show. Yep. So yep. they the leaves don't really hide it; it's it's in full full effect. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's what I remember right around my birthday, which is mid May, going into Memorial Day, and like probably that first week of June. That's when I remember yeah. my parents' tree blooming, and it's something I didn't notice when I was growing up. I guess they probably didn't have it when I was growing up, but um, but just this past year, that's when I really noticed. I'm like, what is that? I don't, I don't remember yeah. that one, and, and I then. That was when I was introduced to it. I don't know if you'd agree with me that, like, as far as similar in look, not exactly, but uh, Magnolia virginiana, mm-hmm. uh, yep. the, with the way the leaves are on the stems. Um, yeah, I can see that. You know, if you're trying to identify by bud, it has a light brown, ovate, acute bud that are really small. They're like um, like a tenth of an inch mm-hmm. uh, long. So, 
Now, with a lot of things that have flowers, they well, they obviously produce seed if they're they're pollinated. But so, does this have a seed or does it have a fruit? Or it has a fruit. It has a small blue black olive like fruit, um, and and it is in the olive family. Mm-hmm. So that would make sense. Uh, and that develops August to September, and it kind of gets hidden by the leaves a little bit. Like it's yeah. not like this huge cluster that that hangs and drooping off. Mm-hmm. It it, it kind of gets hidden a little bit so yeah. now really important question for me is can you eat it but i don't want to go there yet i want to stick on the appearance <laughs> and um and tell me about the fall color because that's when you get in some of these these uh, deciduous plants the fall color can be another really important factor for for a lot of people you know what i'm just looking ahead i'm trying to see if i ever uh anything about humans eating uh the fr- uh, maybe I do. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was the question you asked? I want to know about the fall color because that's oh, sticking on appearance. Clear, that's a clear a yellow. Color. Clear yellow. Uh, very nice. Uh, like some yellows can be kind of like modeled or like this is a pr- a pretty nice clear yellow. So oh, it it stands out cool. a little bit. Um, it does like full sun. Can take part shade. Does really well in urban conditions. So can really handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put it in urban condition, it's going to stand up. So if you live in a more of an urban lot. You're thinking about one – listen, by the time – I know it's saying can get 35 foot in the wild. It For you to get it to 15 foot on your property might be within your lifespan. Mm-hmm. You know, So if, if you have a small area and you're thinking about putting in your yard, I think it would be a good a, – a good, um, and it, it's long-lived. I mean mm-hmm. it can get up to like 50 years. Uh, you can get out of it. So if you're, you're a young whippersnapper and you're looking at putting one in your yard, you can you can – Grow along with that plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm running out of time to put one of these in. <laughs> if, if I wanted to see, to see a flower in my lifetime, I don't know. But um, it sounds perfect so far. It fits yes. in a small space, has beautiful flowers, nice fall color. Yep. It fits the whole bill for a woody plant that you want to put in your yard. What are the problems with it? What's going to have? Like, what are the things I have to look out for if I plant this tree? It can have a few issues. So it's <clears throat> if you let it get dry, even though it's a facultative or facultative upland, if it if it gets dry, it can be susceptible to scale and bore. So if it gets stressed, that's a lot of the time the indicators when you start finding those those uh, insects pests. Um, but it, it they just recently found that it's susceptible to emerald ash borer, mm. and it makes sense. It's in the ash family, mm-hmm. um, and Sometimes in the nursery trade, instead of grown from seed, it's it's grafted and it's grafted onto ash uh, okay, understock yeah. or rootstock. Yep. So it kind of makes sense, and and it, it's understandable why they would be compatible. But I could see why that would be an issue with emerald ash borer. Mm-hmm. So I just don't know if you know when I think about that, you, you think mainly of trees with larger trunks, and I don't know if it's only affecting older mm-hmm. fringe tree or if. It, like with smaller stems when it's young, if you're seeing that same, it, I, I yep. don't know. Yep. I don't know. Um, but if if you're looking at putting one in your yard, the root system is is woody and it's relatively shallow and branching, mm-hmm. so it's not going to be horribly invasive because uh, it's not a big tree. Mm-hmm. So you should be okay that way. Nice. And where where if I was looking for this in the wild, where do you think I would find? It? Like, what kind of conditions would I look in? So it is late successional, uh, mid to late successional. Um, you'll find it in rich, moist woods, uh, hillsides, stream banks, um, limestone glade margins, and rocky bluffs. So it's it can take, you know, a, a multitude of different conditions there. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, only rocky bluffs or only stream banks. Like it's it's a little more versatile that way. And cool. I know it's it, 
you know, I, I've seen uh, one of our listeners, uh, Roz, has one in her, her property and, and mm-hmm. basically um, like a flat – like in the middle of a meadow in a, mm-hmm. in a flat like with, with heavier soil. So it's it can, oh, yeah. it can handle a few things. Now, what's typically my favorite question yes. is – but in this case, it might be different because I talked about can you eat it. But um, <laughs> what kind of wildlife does it support? That's that's what I usually really like about these these about uh, plants in no general is what can they support? Well, it's generally pollinated by bees. Mm-hmm. Um, it does attract honey and native bees. It's uh, bumblebees. It will attract small beetles and a variety of butterflies. Uh, surprisingly, 75 different species of bird eat fringe tree fruit. That's a lot of species, wow. um, including thrashers, bluebirds, vireos, and finches. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those ones that if you're looking to attract birds, you know, it's probably a very good habitat, and uh, a lot of birds like the fruit. So, um, which is good because you're probably not going to eat the fruit because <laughs> it's it's not found on toxicity. But when you do some research, it was saying. Um, if, if you eat large amounts, mm-hmm. uh, so moderation is the key, but if you're eating large amounts, uh, they mentioned maybe you might, you might encounter headaches or vomiting. So I'm sure even though it's not listing toxicity, toxicity, it might be mildly to humans. So it's more than likely you don't have to worry about poachers taking the, the berries. <laughs> you can leave them for the birds yeah. on that one. Um, yeah, moderation and me don't tend to get along. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and it is the larval host for the rustic sphinx. So I always like knowing when it's a larval host if it's contributing to that whole food web. So, mm-hmm. um, and that is that is a, a type of moth. I'm pretty sure it's not what you're going to find like in the deserts in Egypt. That's not what no, they're talking no, about with no. the rustics. <laughs> um, you know, and and here's the other thing, I, and we've talked about this. A lot on both podcasts is it's very contradictory when you when you're finding deer resistance. Unless mm-hmm. it's toxic to deer, this one is reported as particularly deer resistant. But then I've also read that the tree can be browsed by some animals and deer. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the truth is on that one. I'm sure some of our listeners would have some personal experience with that. I've never personally seen that was not one that we had an issue with in the fields at Princeton, and we had deer issues mm-hmm. and that's not one that ever came across as oh the deer ate all of our fringe tree yeah that's not not happening and something when we have when we can incorporate this we like to but how do how did native americans use this plant so i i, I actually found a lot which was amazing uh the bark was used to make a tea to reduce fever relieve uh dyspepsia jaundice gallstones and to uh, stimulate vomiting, so th- that kind of kind of goes with the toxicity a little bit. Mm-hmm. You think? Um, yeah. Although that's the bark, uh, the dried roots and bark were used by Native Americans to treat skin inflammations, um, and the crushed bark was used in treatments of sores and wounds. So it's, I would, I just love the process of. I guess if this is all you had to work with. You know, you go back a couple hundred years, and all you had to work with were native plants to figure out how to cure things. Um, wonder how many people died, died yeah, in that process, yeah. but it's like, oh wow, this actually helped. Like, try crushing this bark. But yeah, are you are you and ready? I'm sorry, I'm ready. I was just going to add that the I just googled, and the the Scott Arbor, Arboretum of Swarthmore College mm-hmm. reports that you can pickle the fringe tree. Really? Fruit. I guess some like do you pickle olives? Yeah, you can pickle. pickle? I guess that is kind of pickled, yeah. right? I've never, I've never made up my own 
own olives. Are you, are, you a, know. are you an olive fan? Uh, yes and no. It's um, yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yes and yes and no. Some, sometimes I really like them. Sometimes I'm like, eh. It's yeah. You know, if I get them in a salad, like yeah. it doesn't matter if it's green or black. I'm more than likely eating one and then not yeah. not touching the rest. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. So there's some there's some olives that are really good. Some that aren't. aren't yeah, I'll uh, pass. Yeah, I'll pass. All right. Are you ready for a quiz? I am ready. All right. So I'm giving you five statements, four of mm-hmm. which are factual, one of which is fake, fake news. Uh, let's see if you can guess which one it is. You ready? Okay. Yep. All right. Originally cited by Linnaeus as Cyanthus virginica, which is the feminine. However, under the provisions of the ICBN. The genus is correctly treated as masculine given the species ending as virginicus. Mm-hmm. All right. The ICBN stands for the International Center for Botanical Nomen- uh, Nomenclature. So that's who I need to file my complaints with. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. That's a fact, too. That's yes. one of the, okay. Uh, can be used as a diuretic, laxative to treat hepatitis, colic, headache, migraines, and malaria. The genus name comes from the Greek words kion meaning snow and anthos meaning a flower, mm-hmm. so snow flower. And the specific epithet uh, virginicus means Virginia, so snow flower of Virginia. Mm-hmm. All right. Which one is so false? The, what was – so? sorry, I maybe I missed that when I said – oh, so, yes, I understand. Okay, the, so <laughs> Linnaeus naming yeah. it and having it changed by the ICBN. Mm-hmm. And then what the ICBN stands for. Okay. Um, the diuretic laxative, hepatitis, and then what the genus means and the epithet means. So the I the what the ICBN yes. stands for is I'm just yeah, that's one separate of the, one. Was a separate one. Yeah. Because I, I figured you were going to ask. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's a fact, or maybe I, that's not the I'm name. I'm going to say know. that's not the name because why Why would that be included in your list of facts? <laughs> because I figured you might say, what's the ICBN? Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say it's the ICBN. <laughs> All right. So your guess is that the ICBN stands for the International Center of Botanical Nomenclature? Yeah. I'm going to guess that that's not what it stands for. <laughs> you are correct. It actually stands for the International Code. A botanical nomenclature. Right. I just yeah. changed one word up there. Man, I'm having – at least yeah. I stumped you at the beginning. I, I don't know how much more creative I can get in writing <laughs> these. <laughs> but I thought you know, I, I guess the, it always comes down to the importance of would you put it in, in your yard. And I'm curious what you think. You, you've seen one in your parents' yard mm-hmm. and um, would you put one in your yard? Yes. Yeah, I, okay. I definitely would after – and now, after learning how how slow growing and and I'm not sure lived, but how slow growing they are, uh, I need to put one in like right away. Yeah, because um, yeah, it was it's just a beautiful, beautiful tree, just adds a unique component to your yard, and it fits in that box. Like we have a a larger yard, but we want to reserve a lot of that for for playing. I have a, a young son, so yeah, he wants to be running around. We want to be able toss the, like a football around and do that kind of stuff. You need some space. So we need smaller things. Like we have a viburnum dentatum. We have uh, a red bud that's back there. We have um, a magnolia virginiana. So yep. um, what's that called again? I'm uh, forgetting the Swamp, <laughs> the magnolia. swamp, the swamp magnolia. magnolia. Um, yeah, so we have that kind of stuff that fits those boxes where they're going to stay relatively small, but they get beautiful flowers, fill the space. Um, like winterberry holly is another one that yeah. has that like different seasons of interest. That's a, another tree that would fit that yeah. box where you know, we don't have a lot of room to play with 
um, to, to plant things, and that's something that fits in that that category. Yeah. And I have a corner where I think I'm going to put it now. So. And it's in case we didn't say, it doesn't have like super s- stiff upright erect branching. It does kind of like arch as it gets older, so mm-hmm. it's rounded. And I did have one in my yard when I lived in Delaware, so mm-hmm. it is it is something that I I have planted. And when you see older mature ones, like and it's blooming, it's not up over your head. Yeah. You know, it's kind of down in your face. Like you're getting that you see it and you smell it. Mm-hmm. And it's it really is you know, it's to me, if you're looking uh what it would be a good sub for, uh some of the um the exotic viburnums, like the Carlesii, like the fragrant the Korean spice viburnum mm-hmm. or the Jetty Eye, like some of the ones that aren't native that uh, people are planting as a shrub for the fragrance. You could easily plant this and and be just as thrilled with the fragrance mm-hmm. and and the overall form. and And it's not going to get too big too fast. And I kind of like that. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, way to start start off the week. We're going to be back tomorrow with another one. Until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to a native plant every day with Tom and Fran. Hey everyone, this is Fran and Tom, and we just wanted to give you a quick reminder to tune in every Friday to our other podcast, Native Plants Healthy Planet. Yeah, so on Native Plants Healthy Planet, we dive into all different kinds of subjects revolving around native plants and our ecology and having a healthy planet. We have guests from uh, from colleges, from other podcasts, from different nonprofits we work with, even authors. It's a really good time. We hope you join us over there. Make sure you tune in, and until then, keep it native.